0: you to just be near us, to be present among us. I know we've got other things planned for the day, but you know what? We're here in your house. And, we, now we want to, and you know what? We want, to be, we want to be fully present with you. We don't want to drift off. Anymore. We want to be right where you want us to be. We want to listen for your voice. We need you. We need you more than the air we breathe, because at the core of our being, we are spirit. And I pray that you would speak to us as we look at your words and just think on thoughts that would deepen our life with you and cause us to challenge what we're building. And uh, whether we're young, whether in the middle of our life, whether we're older, advancing in our years, you have a word for us. You're a living God. You're so real. You love us. You call us to a growing place. So I ask for your blessing over this time, in Jesus' name, amen, Lord. You know, um, we're gonna start by looking at a, a portion of scripture that has to do with something Jesus said And a lot of times we look at the words of Christ and maybe we read them and we think, oh, he just said a lot of nice, good things and gentle things, and and he did. But every now and then, Jesus would say something that was incredibly confrontational. And in Mark 8, we have one of those moments where Jesus, the mild, gentle teacher, the Nazarene, spoke something about who he was and how we were to respond to him that literally put a dividing line and challenge, challenged, <coughs> challenged our, our way of thinking about what is really important in life. And so that's what we're going to be doing. At least in part in the time that we have here, we're going to be thinking about the window of opportunity that is before us. You know, We're now into the second chapter of this year. Just think of this, ha- this year as having 12 chapters. Now we're beginning the second chapter. We've focused on the opportunity of the new year but we're moving along still where we, we have decisions to make that are going to affect a lot of what happens this year. Not everything, but a lot. Now, Jesus said this. He says, when he called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and let them take up their cross and follow me. And then he made this very radical statement that almost shocks us, at least if we honestly look at it and think about it. He said, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. In other words, if we live for ourselves, we'll lose our life. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. If we surrender it, we will find it. It was a paradox. It was a statement he was making about true life, the power of life, what we do with him. You know, what he was saying was that there is a way of living our life that if we live it for ourselves and leave God out, we ultimately will lose it. But if we live our life with an openness to him... And then we surrender our life to him and our agenda to him, what we will find is we will find our life. We will find life. At the core, Jesus is making a case. He says, for what will it profit a man? Look at that 36th verse. What will it profit a person if they gain the whole world and they lose their own soul? What will someone give in exchange for their soul? Ah, boy, he just, he just throws open the doors to, for us to think about what success really looks like. Because he basically is saying is that success as our culture and our world defines it as not true success. He's, he's essentially suggesting that we can never you know um, basically define success as simply being uh, only equated with the accumulation of things to possess or status or power or achievement that the, that the things that that are our world our world our culture pursues in life as a means of achievement and oftentimes success Jesus says they may have some importance temporarily but in the big picture, the real important things can never be captured by simply just, you know, pursuing temporal things. And I thought, wow, how true is that? How powerful is that? Because according to him, life, a life that is, is only, in, only a life that honors God can truly be thought of as being successful. We are not to live by, by bread alone, he said. That is simply to live life at a temporal plane. Now, boy, I'm, I'm just putting that out there right now because I think that's a relentless... Temptation for us. What do I mean by that? What does he mean by that? What I'm saying is that the temptation always will be, as we're living our lives, to sort of exclude God from the everydayness of it. That, that you know, we, we're not really encouraged by where we're at most of the time to be thinking about God. And Jesus kept reminding us that it's so important that the Lord affects everything that we do that we bring him into how we think about our life, how we think about our work, how we, we, how we are in our homes or in our key friendships and relationships, in our dreams, as we're constructing in the architecture of our life, that we, we are recognizing that we want God in the middle of it, the Lord to be there, to be present. And again, not just to be sequestered to, uh, uh, you know, like an hour or so on a weekend. As good as that is to have a Sabbath principle at work in our lives, or we do what we're doing now and listen for the Lord's voice. That is, Jesus would suggest that to, that God is not something we just sort of set on the margin of our life, because that true life actually is found in God, in bringing Him into every day of our life. And so, the, and then I thought, boy, it, you know, even even today, well, you know, I, I was thinking about all the voices, all the sounds that we hear. Everybody, who's, all the, you know, so much of our entertainment, so much of of the commercialism, which we are just immersed in. And there's never been such a high and holy day for commercialism as today, all right? I mean, we glory in it as a culture right now, even to the point now where, where the strategy is to create um, interest uh, to purchase things by creating entertaining you know, commercials that have now become, for some people, as you know, interesting as the game itself. You know what I'm talking about, right? And, and what I'm saying is that if you think about it, so much of what we're hearing, okay, I have no desire to in any way um, sound uh, like, a, like, a, like I'm not interested or, or just like I'm this, this suspicious person or paranoid or a killjoy. I'm not, I hope I'm none of those things. Um, but I am going to say is that today is all about creating image. At least a big part of it is to create a sense of what we should pursue. Because successful people have these things. Or, or people should look like this. Or creating a, a desire for something and then saying, you will feel this way if you get this, if you buy this, right? So, so much of what's going on is designed to, in a fun way, entertaining way, tell us that this is what real life is. And I want to say that Jesus says that's not what real life is. That real life can never simply be lived at a temporal plane. It's not just about, because everything we're being told all the time is, you know, you don't hear God talked about in real ways that much. Um, we, don't, we don't really see people modeled or watching things that have a genuine relationship with him or that actually have a, an honest, sincere, humble love for him. It's very uncommon in the everydayness of life to hear that, to see that, and so sometimes we can we can we can sort of just get lost in the flow of the culture and, they, and to follow Christ is actually sometimes to say I'm going to go against the cultural grain. I'm actually going to swim upstream. I'm going to go and I'm not just going to simply go with everybody else. Now there are times where we do cuz we're all part of we're all part of a culture that's fine. But there are times where the Lord will call us to think differently and challenge what it is that we're actually building and seeing as true value. And Jesus taught us, he taught us one, he said the greatest thing we can ever do is to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is to love our neighbor as ourself. So he immediately says, true success is loving God and loving people. It's not what we, okay. now again, if that is true, if we combine this passage in Mark 8 with what Jesus says there, then it basically is telling us, and I'll just kind of summarize it this way. Success in this world, number one, means very little if We do not seek to glorify God and gain our own soul. That we can achieve every, it's all going to pass away. Nothing we take with us. It's all temporal, footnotes. Whoever wins today is next year, wins a year, next year someone else, and then a year after that. People pass by, it's just all, it doesn't really mean anything in the big picture if we're not paying attention to what really matters. And I am contending that what truly, truly matters is our life with God. Because that's what Jesus taught us. And then he also told us this, that it, that it has to show up in, in how we treat people. In other words, number two, if we treat people poorly and are unkind and loving and lacking in generosity, then what I mean, we see it all the time, you know, someone achieves so much, but then relationally, it's just a, a you know, wrecks everywhere. People mad, angry, who did we step all over to get? I mean, it's, the Lord says that's not the way to live life. Now, John Maxwell, who's an author that I really like, used to be a pastor. He's since become famous, a prolific writer for his writing, and particularly in leadership and business management, and just kind of a a really great, great writer when it comes to motivation, motivational speaker. But he said this about success, and I've never forgotten this, because he he wrote a book called The Success Journey a few years back, in which he made the case that success is not really to be thought of as simply a goal, but success should be thought of as a journey. And he said it, he, he kind of used it, he had a definition that he worked with. And it's a definition that has stayed with me as the years have passed. He said this, and I put this in your handout. He says success, and notice it's an easy thing to remember if you think of it in this way. He says success is, one, is knowing your purpose in life, growing to reach your potential, and sowing seeds that benefit others. Now think of it this way. Knowing, growing, and sowing. Knowing, growing, and sowing. It's a great little template to think about. You know, when we're talking about windows of opportunity, I'd like to take these three concepts here, knowing, growing, and sowing, and sort of think about the opportunity for us to live this extraordinary life of ours for God. And so the first thing I want to, put, to sit with is the idea of knowing our purpose, right, in life. And according to Jesus, this is absolutely important that we've been put, to realize that we've been put here, we've been put here on earth, right, to, on this planet. Why, are we, why were we born? Why do we exist? Why in the big picture? Well, Jesus says we were born to know God We were born to love God and we were born to live past this life. And he taught us that we were created to know and love him and and to represent. Now look, okay, so in the big picture, Jesus says we're created to know God. But what about the little picture of our life? All right? In the smaller context, I'm gonna suggest that success, at least in part, is really thinking about what he has gifted us to do in this season of our life and truly, truly, Seeking to honor Him in the season of life that we find ourselves in now. I talk to people all the time. They say, "You know, if I knew, if I only knew then what I know now, I would have done things so differently." But we can't go back and erase that. We can determine to begin to pursue what the Lord has for us in the now, though, in this season of our life. And I think of, I talk about this all the time about the idea of thinking of our life in seasons and. You remember Psalm One, where it starts out talking about the blessed person. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the one who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of the sinners, sits in the seat of those who scorn God, God. Excuse me, God, right? But their delight is in the law of the Lord, and in that law they meditate day and night. They'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, brings forth its fruit in its season. It's talking about fruitfulness in the season of our lives. We have to talk about seasons of life what it means to honor God in the seasons of our life. We talk about having a, a springtime of life, a summer of life, a fall of life, a, a winter of life. You know, the, think of life as a span. Where are we in that span if we live a long life? But I'm thinking of it a slightly different way. Uh, I'm thinking of our life not just in terms of natural seasons we've talked about, but also think about just in the standpoint of having a youth in our life, a middle period of our life, and an advancing period of our life. And asking this question sort of in our own mind is because every, every stage of life has an opportunity in it. And part of my responsibility and privilege is to try to make the case, especially for those of us wherever we find ourselves in life, to pursue the Lord. Some of, some of us are, are younger. You know, I, I've been mentioning how my children are getting older. Our, our children, we have four and, and our, our youngest turned 18, so between 24 and 18, we have, they're all turning into young adults, young men and young women, and, 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 they're, and what, what I've been praying for and, and I, I contend for is take full advantage of the opportunity of your youth, but please don't forget to, to honor God because of all the things we can do with our youth, the best thing we can do is honor the Lord. If we have youthfulness, we, get, we have this unique gift of energy and passion. And when those things are submitted to the Lord, they can do so much good. Um, I, it just, I, my heart breaks for young people sometimes who have just wandered way off course and who are sort of believing the lie of the culture that this is what success is to be or what real life is. And Jesus is calling and saying, I'm calling to you. Follow me, you know, serve me. I, uh, the Lord needs young people who will commit themselves to him. He cares about this gift of our youth. And when we have it, it's a gift. It's a gift. And I, I meet a lot of people who say, you know, I wish I could do it again. I can't do it again. But I'm going to say that the, may we not squander this opportunity. If you're young, if you're younger, and you can define it any want, teen years into the t- past the 20s, I don't care, wherever you want to define it. If we're young, this is a time to not become reckless or pursue mediocrity or just act foolishly and regrettably. A lot of things happen that, that we're just kind of like getting ourselves into, and they're just going to hurt us and damage us and set us back. The Lord wants us to use our youthfulness, to, to submit it to him, to honor him with it. And if we'll do, it'll it be a tremendous light for the Lord. He wants us to give him the best, some of our best years. I was thinking about it, in our middle years, what does it mean? When, when you know in the middle years are very different than, the, than our younger years, aren't they? Because in the middle years, we start feeling, you can start to feel the effects of, of life experience. So you know, youth is wasted on the young, is the old statement. It's just like we start to realize that, uh, okay, stay with me on this one, but we start to realize that things don't always work out as we we're hoping, and, and, and we gain life experience, we understand disappointment, we understand our own contributions to things. We start to realize the complexity of life in a different way. Because sometimes we gain a perspective and a wisdom that combining, combines with a kind of you know, waning but still present strength and vitality. Do you know what I'm talking about? We still feel like you have vitality and strength, but you can sense your body's changing. You're in those middle years. And I'm gonna tell you, in those middle years, it's really important. If the danger of the, youth, the younger years is living recklessly, and running away from God like the prodigal. For whatever the reason, we just, we just get ourselves into trouble. The Lord's trying to call us home. Don't do that. that that's got nothing for you. And then in the middle years, the, I think the danger sometimes is to act foolishly and start doing things that we're going to regret. And we, we, you know, they call it a midlife crisis for a reason. And it's because people do reckless things because we're not thinking about all, and how many people get, how much collateral damage is done? I and mean, again, we can't change that, but God's gracious. There, but why do it? Why not follow the Lord? And then I thought about the advancing years when the body is weakening, and it does. Age impact sets in, but I thought, boy, may we be young at heart. The people I've most admired as they've grown older I've watched them grow, in their hearts stayed young, they're wise in years, they're generous in the giving of themselves. Um, They pursue continual improvement. There's a sense that they're they're trying new things. You know, one of the dangers of getting older is that you start to shrink your world. You hear me talk about it, and I kinda now, I kinda get why that happens. We get into habits, we get into ways of living life, and they come like grooves. And all of a sudden, we're just like, we don't want to try anything. We, we're, we don't, we're just we want to play it. Always play it safe. And the Lord is saying, no. The peop- and the people that I've watched grow old with vitality, they, they create new paths. They're thinking, they're exploring, they're open. They're, they're trying to pursue what God has for them. They're being examples. And you know what? May we not squander the opportunity by closing down on life and allowing a negative, critical spirit to set in and just start shrinking us. I want to live that way. It's like a life that is not being well lived is, 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 a, is a disappointment. It's just like, it's like being able to read and never reading a book. You can't get the benefit of it. We have a, if we're being given the gift of life and relative health, then we need to think about how we're living. And this is the question I have for us. Number two, and it is this, going back to Maxwell's model, are we seeking to grow in our to reach our potential, you go, oh, well, because remember, success is knowing our purpose, growing to reach our potential. And you look, at, look at this in your handout, you guys. Look at this what it says here. In Eugene, this is a quote from Eugene Pat Peterson. He said this, there are vast tracts of undeveloped life in most of us. Look, look what he says here. We have capacities for creativity, for love, and for accomplishment that lie fallow. That is It gets uncultivated. Some we we, okay. There is a a very real tendency on our part sometimes to underestimate our personal and spiritual potential. Many of us put a lid or a cap on it. We pull back when we should be pressing in. And God's calling us to contend for growth and not just live life at the surface, but to live a deepening life of who we are. How can I say? So here's what I'll do. I'll I'll, I'll put up just a, a couple of questions. And these questions are designed. I, I want, I'm contending by God's grace for us to actually think about our lives and to dig a little deeper. And I'm going to suggest this. What are one, the one or two areas, and I've been trying to get us thinking this way, my own self, windows of opportunity, do we think that God may be wanting us to focus on at this stage in our life? In this season of our life, there are things the Lord is trying to get us to pay attention to that really matter. It will last. It makes a difference. And we've been talking about thinking about that. A lot. This is going to require, okay, some investment of our time to be prayerful. Some of us have never done it. We were never trained to do it. To actually think long thoughts and be reflective prayerfully. To get in a conversation with people that goes beyond, yeah, that was a great game. Awesome. I do all that all the time. (laughs) I hope I'm doing a lot of that today. But I'm going to tell you something. What really matters is something far more profound. It's being able to say, "I I I need to hear the Lord's voice for my life right now. And we sit down with people, and we can actually have conversation that we pray for one another a little bit. We try to stretch ourselves. Again, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm saying it because a lot of the times the Lord clarifies his will for us in conversation with others that is prayerful, thoughtful, and it's with friendships. That's why we talk about the value of groups and community. And so much of our sharpening and our focus takes place with other people, as we're saying I'm praying for my life. I'm I'm thinking, like, this is maybe what God's saying, and I'm trying to understand what he wants me to pursue. And so here's the thing. In this stage of our life, where we are now, what is the Lord saying that we're to focus on in this year? What One or two things would be huge. Now, sometimes they're big things. Sometimes they're actually small things that we're just committing ourselves to do consistently, to serve in a way that is very unnoticed even. But it does something with our own relationship with God. And then again, number two, uh, underneath that, what would pursuing those things look like or involve? So we're processing it out. What I'm saying is that we're saying, okay, here's what I'm sensing God is calling me to do. And then this is what it will mean that I need to start moving into. I got I to, I, in other words, it's one thing to think lofty romantic thoughts this is what I want to do. This is what God wants me to do. That's a good thing because some people never even go there. That's what I'm saying. A lot of times people just live life on the surface, entertain ourselves to death, work bread alone, think about God once in a while. But I'm saying no. Bring him in to our life. And then when we start actually getting there, then we have to ask ourselves the next question. After After we've got ourselves out to the big to the freedom of thinking in a different way with the Lord, we then start saying, Lord, what are you saying to me about what I need to start adjusting in my life? And then how do I do do it? Do I need to bring some other people in to help me? Do I need to actually start making some shifts in the way in which I'm, and how do I go about? See, this this is so important. Do I need to get involved in a way that I haven't gotten involved before? This is what I'm saying. And then the third question, which is, of course, why are we waiting? The time is now. This is it. This season in our life, now is the time to respond to God. And then thirdly, going into the template, sowing seeds that benefit others. The Christian life cannot simply be a self-focused life. It has to spread its wings in order to soar. Why? Because our leader came to serve, didn't he? He came to serve. He gave his life away, and he did it for other people. I'll finish with this, you guys. There's a passage we have in the, in the handout from John. These are Jesus's words. We'll close with these words. He said, "No longer." And I want you to really focus. Let's focus. No longer do I call you servants, because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. Jesus said he's talking to his disciples. But he says, "Look at me now. I'm not just calling you a servant. A servant, and, and it's not like I'm saying. It's, 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 Jesus said this. It's not like I'm saying a servant is bad, because a servant means you're you're." honoring others, but a servant in this context, Jesus is saying, I'm not just calling you someone like, you're not just an employee to me. You, you hear me out. You're not just an employee who is just doing what you're told to do without, you know, go do this. He's saying, Jesus is saying, no, you are not just my service, my, my employees that I, I tell you to do it and, and you just basically say, well, I don't know why they're telling us to do it, but we're, that's what we were given our, we our work order, that's what we're supposed to do. He's saying, no, you are my friends. Look at that, look what he says. You are my friends and a friend, I have called you friends because all things I've heard from my father, I've made known to you. Look at that. He says, I've made known to you. In other words, I've given you a rationale. I've shared with you my heart. I am telling you why. You're being asked. I'm giving you an understanding of my motivation, my reasoning. It's like someone would come up to us and say, here's what I need you to do, but here's my reasoning. Here's why. Here's how I'm thinking about it. He's saying, I'm not just telling you to do something. I'm calling you my friends. I'm sharing with you at an intimate level. You have a special relationship with me. You have the ability to ask me things. And here's what I've asked you to do as my friends. This is what he says to all of us. Look at verse 16. You did not choose me. But I chose you, I appointed you, you are all chosen. At some level, we choose and are chosen. And I've appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. I want you to be a person who has an abundance in your life. I want you to bear fruit for me. And these things I've commanded you, and what I'm asking you to do is look around you right now. I want you to start by loving one another. And do you see what we just read? Do you, see the, do you see the connection? Knowing, growing, sowing. It's right there. Look at it. <laughs> 15, uh, who, I want you to know who you are, to me, what I've called you to be, knowing your purpose. 16, look at it. I want you to grow in your capacity to represent me. I want you to live into your potential. I want you to be fruitful where you are. I want you to have an effect on other people. And then, and then thirdly, what? So, so, seeds of love into one another by this I will command you, love one another. I mean, it's all there. It's, it's awesome to me. Grow in relationship, grow in fruitfulness, and grow in love. Knowing, sowing, growing. It's right there. It's what the Lord's asking us to do for Him. So it's, it's simple, but it's, it's deep. You get what I'm saying? Let me, let me pray. Lord, we're, you know, we, got, we have things ahead of us, and... Oh, Lord, I know you care for us and, and I know you, you care deeply about our lives and um, you gave your life for us, but you did it so we could be a blessing. And I, Lord, I've, I'm, I'm asking you to help us, to remind us to not just live life at the surface but, and, and not just to dabble with you, but to really think about what it means to commit ourselves to you as you called us to do. And then to, and to, and to think about what it means to welcome you in into the center of our life so that we can have, Lord, the opportunity to honor you uh, in ways that, that, you know, only come when we're intentional about it. And I want to ask you, Lord, to help us with that. And then, and then help us to think differently, not just to go along with the flow of life and the flow of culture, but to actually think about what it means to honor you and represent you and to respond to you and to be a fruitful person and to love one another and to grow and to be a growing, vibrant person all the days of our lives, and to get past things, and to let wounds heal up, Lord, and to just become more of who you've made us to be, whole people who are seeking to honor you in ways that we would have never thought before possible. And so I just pray for that, Lord, whether we're young, whether we're in the middle of our life, whether we're in our advancing years, you have a path for us to take, and it's a path of life. And so I just pray, I pray that as we close the service, I pray that as we... We finish in our, our, our time of giving and we, many of us who commit ourselves to you in our tithes and our offerings I just pray that even the closing song would remind us that we were born to be a light for you we were born to represent you a city set on a hill cannot be hidden let this be a joy of our life let us contend for these things this is what I pray pray for all of us by your grace and by your Holy Spirit in Jesus name Amen God